Diego Castro, or Rudy, as everybody knows him in the clubhouse, can't fail. At least that's how it looks when you glance at his numbers, even a casual glance. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins in the same place that you found this. Rangers 3, Pirates 2. Texas takes two of three in the series, and that's been the way a lot of these have been going. Everything just feels like it's just another chip away into that great start that the team had. I'm flying tonight to Seattle to cover the three-game set with the Mariners up in the Pacific Northwest over the weekend. Really looking forward to that. I haven't been up there for baseball since, oh man, I'm going to date myself here, but since Masumi Kuwata struck out Ichiro Suzuki, for real, for real, amazing scene. I might have to tell you that story once I get up there. Really, really good stuff. Who is this team's long-term second baseman of the future? Now, I can ask you that. And your reflex is going to be nobody here. Your second reflex might be someone like Nick Gonzalez since he was a first-round pick. And since occasionally Gonzalez will show you some of that bat that had everyone excited about him when he was drafted. But the more you watch a Gonzalez, the more you see a lot, a lot, a lot of swing and miss. And he's not all that exciting, at least not in the moment. He's certainly not what... Andy Rodriguez or Henry Davis is. But second base in Pittsburgh, you'll just bypass it, right? Am I right here? Jiwan Bay, no one wants anything to do with him anymore, right? Remember my pick to click out of the spring and I was all pumping it here and everything? <laughs> we don't care about him anymore. All he does is get thrown out on the base pass and he doesn't get on the base pass often enough for that to happen. Tukapita Marcano, I mean, he's still young. Occasionally, he'll show you something. The Grand Slam the other day was obviously a really big deal. Only reason the Pirates were able to take one of those three from the Rangers. But don't really think of him either, do you? And then there's and then there's Castro, who in some ways makes no sense. His overall stats. No, no, no. I'm not going to give you his overall stats first. His split stats. These are staggering. When he's facing a left-handed pitcher, because he's a switch hitter, at least for now, his slash numbers are 340, 424, 700, including all five of his home runs. From the other side of the plate, 203 as a batting average. I don't even need to read the rest of them to you. No power, no nothing from the other side of the plate. Where Castro becomes interesting is that his overall numbers, if you just pretend that those splits don't exist, which I understand isn't easy to do, his overall numbers, I mentioned the five homers, he has an 805 OPS, that's on-base plus slugging percentage. I think that's the best cumulative offensive stat that exists. Felt that way for a long time now. 805. If you rank his 805 on-base plus slugging percentage, Among National League second basemen, it's fourth best. It's a tie 
with Ketel Marte, who we just saw in town at the Diamondbacks. And I think we would all agree Ketel Marte is a guy. He's, he's somebody worth paying attention to in the league at his position. Good player. We don't think of Castro that way. I don't think anybody thinks of Castro that way. And we can talk about his defense. We can talk about his base running mistakes and whatever else here. And, and that makes for good theater. But what keeps you in the lineup, what keeps you getting run out onto the field every day is consistency at the plate. As I'm saying all the time, the bat plays. And Castro doesn't. There's still something that's off with Castro. And it might be in management's eyes, it might just be in Derek Shelton's eyes, that if he's going to put him out there against a right-handed pitcher, and of course that's what you're going to see more often than not, he's putting a 200 hitter into the lineup. At least against the starter he is. The longer the game goes, the longer your chance of facing a reliever from the other side, but I digress. There seems to be some kind of disconnect between Castro's production and his utilization. There just is. There just is. He's not out there at a rate befitting someone with an 805 OPS. And for whatever the complaints are, and believe me, they can be legit, related to his defense and or base running, you'll also see him do things defensively that are out of this world. And I've talked about some of those on this show. He has some outstanding ability. He also has good speed, which is the number one thing that you would want on the base paths. So the weaponry is there. Everything's in place. There's even been internal discussion about having Castro bat only from the right side. Okay, maybe that's the way to go. Eventually. You're not going to do that in midseason. But as I see it, he's the guy that you, you kind of need to go with now. Why? Well, aside from everything that I just said, you don't have O'Neill Cruz. You don't want Castro at short. I think we can agree on that much. Defensively, he'll hurt you over there. And you're starting to see Marcano get a little bit comfortable in his role over there, not that he's exactly killing it. I don't mean to make him out to be more than he is either. But you've got someone who looks like he's ready to hold down that position, uh, at least mentally, until Cruz gets back. Now is a really, really good time to give Castro the opportunity to pick things up with his best friend out. They are best friends, and Castro is very much aware of the need for him as well as his teammates to produce in Cruz's absence. He'll talk about it openly. And I'm also not going to lie to you here. I, I try to be honest with you whenever I'm, uh, I'm getting a little bit connected to somebody on the team. And I like this kid. I like his makeup. I like his passion. I like the understanding that he shows for situations that are both good and bad, both for himself and for the team. I like his honesty. I like the way he interacts with his teammates. I also really, really like his confidence and the fact that he hasn't allowed others to beat that confidence out of him, including this recent stretch where for no particularly compelling reason, he just didn't play much for like a week straight. 
as long as this season isn't a priority for management, and don't get me started on that subject again, but it clearly isn't, take a look at this kid. Take a look at this kid. You might have something, and you definitely don't want to find that out after he leaves. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door. Your car. Your bike. Your computer. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit projectchildsafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from Dan, who asks, DK, should Kibrian Hayes try to turn himself into a different hitter? Maybe add a little bit of an uppercut. Isn't that what all the launch angle data is supposed to teach us that a player should do? Ooh, this one is over my pay grade. So what I'm going to try to do, instead of answering it with an opinion of mine, which would be worthless, is to pass along some stuff that I've learned from talking to people. This is not specifically about Key. I've never had a launch angle conversation either with Key or with anyone instructing him. Okay, so this is very general, and I'm trying to give you the most honest possible context here. Teaching someone launch angle sounds so much easier than it actually is because what you're doing is you're trying to make sure that the hitter maintains what is natural about their swing, what is natural about their pitch selection and their hitting zone. It's not, maybe, because I'm going to guess that you, Dan, have played some recreational baseball or whatever at some point in your life only because all of us have. I played a ton of it when I was a kid, played a ton of ball. And I used to feel like I could hit anything. I could move my feet. I could do this. Again, I'm talking about total recreational softball, right? I I played baseball, too, in Pony League, but I'm talking about after that. I still felt like, man, I can hit anything. It's just a matter of um, hand-eye coordination. Well, in the majors, it isn't. In the majors, it's everything. And if you're seeing a pitch to which you have reacted a certain way and with a certain swing path all your life. And now you see that same pitch, but you've also got to have inside your head, yeah, but I'm going to try to hit this one differently. You are, you're, you're begging to crash that car on the side of the road. You just are. 
It is not going to happen. And you know what? Once you go into that ditch on the side of the road, you're not getting out of there. And that is a big, big, big risk to take, especially in season, which is part of why the key situation is so maddening. Because if you've heard me talk about him this week, he is doing everything that you want a hitter to do. For the most part, he hasn't been great at it. He hasn't been great at anything at the plate. But he's had an unbelievably high percentage of hard contact relative to the production that he's got. Because he's screaming balls at outfielders. Or he's screaming grounders at infielders. And unlike, let's say, for example, Jason DeLay, who can never do any wrong. Jason DeLay can't hit the ball through a wet paper towel. Almost never produces any contact other than that home run at Fenway. Just never hits the ball hard. It just finds grass somehow. It's like it takes off his bat with a little drone guiding it. To where there isn't a human or a glove. And Key has nothing like that going on for him. Nothing. So he's either going to hit it off a fence, as you saw the other night against Texas. He's going to hit it over a fence, which you've only seen once all year. Or he's going to hit it at somebody. And I don't know that there's some cure for that, whether it's long-term or short-term, but I am definitely, definitely not in favor of walking up to him tomorrow at the ballpark in Seattle and saying, hey, Key, why don't you try, like, swinging up in the air a little bit? It's just not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, and that's why neither you nor anyone else, you know, would want to suggest such a thing. But no, I don't have the answer. I know that he doesn't, and boy, I'd bet everything in my possessions that Andy Haynes doesn't. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one tomorrow from Seattle. 